You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Denim Audio Network. Hello and welcome to The Way Home Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. This is Dan Darling, your host, and I'm just delighted that you are listening wherever you are, whether you're in your car, on your commute to work, or back from work, doing some chores around the house, or just uh, have this on while you're doing some work. Glad to be with you today. We have a great guest uh, in store today. Cannot wait for uh, us to get to that conversation. But before we do that, I want to share with you a few things. Uh, First of all, I'd love for you to continue to check out my newsletter. It's called One Little Word. If you have not signed up for it, you can go to my website at danieldarling.com. There's a link there. You can sign up for my free newsletter. Uh, It's called One Little Word. Would love for you to be a part of that. Also, if you're thinking, and I hope you are, meditating and thinking about Easter during this Lent season, I would love to commend my book, The Characters of Easter, that uh, came out a couple of years ago. It's part of the character series with the characters of Christmas and characters of creation. But the characters of Easter, we profile, uh, talk about some of the most important people in the Easter story, Peter and John and uh, the women who found Jesus, who discovered the empty tomb and Pontius Pilate, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, Judas even, and um, really what what do their lives tell us and how do they point to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so we'd love for you to get that. You can get the Characters of Easter anywhere books are sold. You can check it out on my website, danieldarling.com. We have links there or you can uh, go to your favorite retailer. Okay. Today, we have in store for you a conversation with my friend, Coleman Ford. Coleman is an assistant professor of humanities here at Texas Baptist College, one of my colleagues, one of my dear friends, and uh, we uh, have a chance to be on faculty together here and to teach alongside each other. Uh, I've learned a lot from him. He's also a really thoughtful writer, and he has a great new book that's coming out on spiritual formation, a really important book called Formed in His Image, A Guide for Christian Formation. And we talk about spiritual formation, the spiritual disciplines, discipleship, what all these terms mean, why we should care about them, how we're formed as Christians. Are we shaped by these big mountaintop experiences? Sometimes we are. Or are we shaped by the sort of regular systematic rhythms of life, spiritual rhythms of life. Uh, Coleman has a lot to share. He's a, an expert on the early church fathers, particularly Augustine. And so I think you'll enjoy listening to him. A lot of practical help for our daily spiritual lives. So let's join this conversation with my friend and colleague here at Texas Baptist College, Coleman Ford. Glad to have on the Way Home Podcast my friend and colleague, uh, Coleman Ford. Coleman, thanks for joining me today. Man, this is such a pleasure, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. Coleman, uh, you teach here at Texas Baptist College, a variety of, of things, but mm-hmm. in humanities, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I've been here for a couple of years. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your your emphasis and a lot of the things you write about are spiritual formation. In fact, mm-hmm. you have a book coming out mm-hmm. this May called Formed in His Image, A Guide for Christian Formation. So if you're if you're just a lay Christian listening mm-hmm. or, or just someone listening, the word Christian f- 
formation or spiritual formation. What do you mean by that? Yeah. What, what do you, is that a fancy word for discipleship? What, what do you mean when you say that? Well, Dan, that's actually the question, you know, do we throw out the word discipleship and inject this sort of, not new word or new form or new title, but uh, maybe new to a lot of evangelicals or, or Baptists. Mm-hmm. And, and when we say spiritual formation, uh, I mean, I, I put the emphasis on formation, right? We're being formed in the image of Christ as the book uh, title indicates. And this is something that's happening all the time. I mean, outside the church, uh, we are being formed, our character, our thinking, our virtues are being formed in a certain direction. For those in Christ, the the presupposition or the hope is that those are those are moving closer and closer towards Christ likeness each and every day by the power of the Spirit. But the reality is, uh, as you walk out the door, you're going to be bombarded with different cultural messages, different worldviews, ways of thinking. And though I am assured that the Christian worldview is the true worldview, the true way of seeing things, I'm still tempted to think, well, maybe uh, maybe, maybe you can have room for certain things, or maybe you can, uh, maybe it is okay to, to, to maybe fudge in these areas or something like this. And so Christian spiritual formation is, it just presupposes we need to continually help uh, Christians uh, see the beauty of Christ in everything, uh, see beauty of Christ, the beauty of the triune God as the ultimate for their life. So whether they're a barista, whether they're a banker, whatever their profession is, they are called to pursue the beauty of God in their daily lives. And so that's that's really how I set up kind of my way of fo- thinking about spiritual formation is the beauty of God as central to what we do. So yeah, to answer your question, uh, it doesn't steamroll over discipleship. It's not like this is now the 21st century, we have to have cool new terms. It's essentially kind of the overarching reality of the Christian life. We're all called to discipleship. We're all called to follow Christ, the life of a disciple. And I'm so I'm, I'm not throwing out that word at all. Uh, I'm just saying that formation is kind of that bigger idea that says these things come into play in the life of a Christian because they are literally everywhere in other forms and other ways. So, so yeah, as we talk more about spiritual formation, that's what I want people to think about. Spiritual formation is probably a more comfortable, or at least it's a more time-tested idea in other Christian traditions. That language has been used mm-hmm. more maybe in a Roman Catholic mm-hmm. or you know, kind of a high church tradition, spiritual formation. But that shouldn't scare us. And in fact, what we should say is, okay, that's fine. What we think about as evangelicals, as as Southern Baptists, is the ways in which we bring to the table a high view of Scripture. Uh, What we bring to the table is the necessity of of personal conversion, a personal uh, relationship with Christ. And then specifically as a Baptist, I I bring to the table a high view of the local church. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I have a high church view and it's that the local church is the place to do that <laughs> and to be formed in those ways, the presence in the local body, the preaching of God's word, the the taking of the Lord's Supper, participating in baptism and a whole slew of other things uh, are what we're called to do. And I think as Southern Baptists, evangelicals, uh, we really are needing to continue to push people back into some time-tested things, but also just to remember that apart from uh, presence in the local church, abiding in these things, we're really not going to see the kind of uh, growth in Christ-likeness that we desire to see. Mm. When we think about formation, you know, it seems like we're talking about 
and obviously this this has sort of been a a tension throughout Christian history. And, you know, some folks have fallen on one side or the other. Some traditions fall on one side or the other. But we're talking about two things, right? Both what is happening in us as a result of the regeneration of the Holy Spirit and the, uh, our sanctification. But it's also something that we are to intentionally pursue, right? Mm-hmm. And so t- talk about that tension where it's something happening to us, mm-hmm. but it's also something that we're intentionally seeking. Yeah. So I think about uh, much of evangelical spirituality in the 20th century was sort of this, well, maybe you have two different ways of looking at it. Uh, A lot of spirituality was, okay, I'm saved. I get baptized. Okay, now I just need to try to do my best. You've got your programs here. You've got your things here. You just kind of have to follow this uh, roadmap, so to speak. And there's there's positive things in that. I'm not disparaging uh, a lot of that. But what comes away from that mentality is sort of like, I'm, I've got level one, level two, level three, like I'm playing Mario Brothers or something uh, that I've got to get to, rather than, or and then perhaps the other view, kind of as you're referring to, Dan, is this sort of spontaneity view, kind of like, okay, I'm saved, and so it's just going to spontaneously happen. Like, I read, I read Galatians 5, this is the fruit of the Spirit, I, I guess I'm just going to get zapped, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think of like Doc Brown, like you need 1.21 gigawatts, you know, and all of a sudden you're a, a Christian who's on uh, on the mountaintop. Well, actually, <laughs> if you read the New Testament, the formula for that is, hey, look, let's take Paul, for, for instance, right? He, he wrote most of our New Testament epistles. Uh, the, the basic formula for, for Paul is this, hey, saints gathered at this city, I greet you in the name of the Lord. So-and-so greets you as well. Hey, here's Timothy. He says, hi. And then here's some things I want you to remember. You know, here's what Jesus did. You have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, union with Christ, you're in Christ. That's great. New self. Oh, by the way, why are you screwing up? <laughs> you know, like this is not who you are. You are made in image of Christ. You've been renewed in your thinking. You've been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. I mean, all this language that he uses, it's a reminder for people to say, this is actually who you are. Mm. Now, because of who you are, do these things. Don't do these things out of a begrudging duty. Do these things out of joy. Do these things for one another. Love one another. Confess your sins to one another. Uh, Bear each other's burdens. So these are actions that we're called to take in the power of the Spirit. Um, and so, you know, maybe you've heard this before, but in uh, sort of the sanctification math, uh, it's 100% God and it's 100% us. God is working through us for his good pleasure to will and work. But y'all, we've got to own it. And so I think I was having this conversation with a student yesterday who's a teenage or, or young 20s son, uh, faithful Christian, uh, loves the Lord, walking in faith, but is just really attracted to folks like Jordan Peterson. Because they kind of provide this sort of, you know, here's your 12 ways right. of being in the world. Right. Uh, so this kind of uh, horizontal sort of, this is what you need to do in the here and now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where spiritual formation comes in to fill that gap. And we've missed it a lot because yeah. we, we get the vertical right in evangelicalism mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, like, that's what our faith is based upon. We've mm-hmm. personal faith in Jesus Christ. You're saved, but now what? Right. And so spiritual formation fills that. Uh, that gap or answers that question of saying, okay, let's, let's pray through the scriptures together. Let's gather together in community to uh, uh, ask if you've practiced self-control this week. 
mm. uh, or or been more kind, been more gentle. Let's memorize and meditate upon Scripture together, and you know perhaps even systematizing that in a certain way. Um, you know, traditions, uh, Christian traditions have called that like a rule of life. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, day in and day out, I'm going to choose to do these things centered on Scripture, centered upon the work of the Spirit. Yet recognizing that, like Paul said. I need to get my act together. <laughs> I need to do these things. Walk in the spirit. Put on the armor of God. And therefore, yeah, it's not just spontaneous. It's you look back and you realize, oh, man, the spirit was at work. But I took those steps along with the spirit mm. to make that happen. Mm. I, it's it's not unrelated to our conversations about ethics, right? I, mm. I mean, we um, both of us teach ethics here. And one of the things we think through is, you know, there's a system of ethics uh, called virtue ethics, mm-hmm. system of ethics, what some call deontological ethics, mm-hmm. fancy terms. But, you know, one is the idea that there's an absolute truth, there's a right and wrong mm-hmm. always. And then another one says, no, it's more about what kind of person you're becoming. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, when you read scripture, it calls for both, right? Mm-hmm. That there is an, there is a, you know, there is a body of truth that has been revealed from God to us that is unchanging, mm-hmm. a way of living in the world, right? But there's also, Chris, Scripture also seems concerned with the kind of person we're becoming, right? Yeah. So talk about the sort of the relationship between those, mm-hmm. you know, between Jesus saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jesus saying, teach them all I have commanded you in the mm-hmm. Great Commission. And yet also Jesus' Sermon on the Mount saying, this is the kind of people you want to become. Yeah. So, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'm not about to bust out my copy of Immanuel Kant <laughs> or Aristotle, but I think your 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 impulse is exactly right, Dan. Mm-hmm. The scriptures seem to advocate for something similar but better right. than what those systems are. You know, right. I think we've had these conversations. We we agree on this. To think about, well, I see virtue here. I I also see, you know, another part of the kind of deontological tradition is divine command, mm-hmm. or the divine command theory. If God says it, I need to do it. Well, absolutely, 100%. But uh, what God is doing by the Spirit is he's making us agents that desire to do his word, mm-hmm. which is always what he's wanted. And you see in the Old Testament where that has been sort of the impetus. Why do you do these words? Well, uh, why do you do these works? Well, I rescued y'all. Right, mm-hmm. I, I rescued you out of darkness, out of slavery, mm-hmm. and I I became to you like a father, and you are my people. You are my son, right? Calls Israel my beloved son. Uh, so this kind of uh, filial type language that's supposed to transform, and uh, on all the acts and the tower. I mean, you know, we can go into Old Testament stuff, but the the whole point is, it's always been about the heart. It's always been about the heart change and acting out of the heart, the the love that we are called to have for God and one another, which is, of course, the greatest commandment. And so, yeah, what has come to be called virtue ethics identifies a certain aspect of that sort of way of being. That, I mean, in my opinion, Jesus personified and taught perfectly that uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek or the humble. That, that's countercultural to a lot of ethical systems, especially in his day. You know, those are not the kind of character virtues of a Greco-Roman person in the first century. But what are those? Those are kingdom virtues. Mm. Um, And those are actually the kind of virtues that promote and feed into the commands of God that he's given us. And so 
yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to call myself a virtue ethicist, but what I mean by that is I am looking to uh, the scriptures and the sort of heart character transformation acting out of that which is required for god's people but it's also based upon his word so yeah deontological divine command Mm -hmm. but either way it's this it's the sense that we have encountered truth in the person work of jesus christ in the written scriptures inspired by the spirit and what do we do with that we base our lives upon that but then we also asking the spirit to further transform our hearts, to love to do that, to love to do his word, to be like the psalmist says in Psalm 1, to to meditate upon his word day and night and be like what? A a tree planted by streams of water. So this idea of flourishing, an idea of Mm -hmm. growth, an idea of seeing your life uh, connected to that divine source. And the opposite of that is chaff that the wind drives away wickedness that won't stand in the judgment so this this idea of of virtue and 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 command of god uh i think very much feeds into the christian life and yeah we could talk about it but it's something that i would love to see more ministers of uh, of the church uh, thinking about, love to see people kind of seeing that as valuable. Uh, one last thing I'll say, you know, a book that I go to a lot to talk about this is uh, a book by Jonathan Pennington, mm-hmm. New Testament scholar. Excellent book. Yeah, I know what, I'm on yeah. what book you're about yeah, to recommend. Jesus is a great philosopher, right? Yeah. This idea of, of the good life and Jesus being this more than, of course, a philosopher, but also that is a very apt title for him. Here's the way of life. And he spells it out. Mm-hmm. You can reference the book. We may put a, a a link to it, but it's been one of the most recent helpful books to me to help people think through, this is what the life of Christ looks like for us. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a version of, you know, to say that we worship in spirit and in truth, you know, and on the one hand, without, without understanding the, the supernatural regeneration of, of the human heart, you know, you can have this body of truth that you think is valuable, but Mm -hmm. you run into the impossibility of fallen humans to, to actually do it right. You know, we mm-hmm. keep stumbling. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if all you talk about is formation, you know, uh, virtue and formation, but you don't actually have a, you don't know where those virtues come from, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think that sometimes the, the sort of Jordan Peterson phenomenon is mm-hmm. we're coming across truth, transcendent truth, because of, you know, general revelation or mm-hmm. natural law, however you put it. We're coming across these truths, but we don't have a mechanism to help people to live them out. Mm -hmm. And of course, as Christians, we believe that we're supernaturally transformed. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about, and I love that you said that we are formed and shaped in community. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things when, when sometimes when evangelicals think about discipleship or they think about formation, we only ever think of sort of me and my Bible and my prayer closet, which is Super important. So we're mm-hmm. we're not against that, mm-hmm. you know, personal growth, personal reading. But I think we miss the fact that when you read the New Testament, when I read the New Testament, I'm struck by how often even the commands are given in the plural. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. it's assumed that they're being given to a people to live out together, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think of the Lord's Prayer, like give us this day our daily bread, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver mm-hmm. us from evil. So talk about the importance of community mm-hmm. in our formation. Yeah. So whenever I teach formation here at the seminary and the college, 
after laying out some theological foundations and principles, I immediately go to uh, communal formation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I actually end the time in our class in a couple ways, but I generally end it with the, the personal disciplines for that exact same reason that you mentioned, Dan, because typically formation is thought of the personal uh, and I don't, don't want anyone listening to Dan and I think, okay, throughout your Bible, right? As you right now, we're not doing that. Uh, what we are saying is invest in the community uh, and see the community as absolutely vital for your formation. And I know someone listening is probably gonna be like, well, you don't know my church or whatever the case is. And I, and I mm-hmm. don't. Uh, and every church, of course, is going to have its issues. No one's going to get this perfectly right. Mm-hmm. But what we do need to see is the fact that the spirit indwelt, regenerate body of believers in the local church are called to do this together. So what are we called to do? We're called to pray with one another. Uh, we're called to confess our sins to one another. I mean, I was just meeting with a number of doctoral students uh, on formation this week and uh, took kind of a straw poll of how many churches that were represented in that room of about a dozen students did a corporate confession time. Uh, I was actually surprised to see a third or so did uh, and kind of went around and talked about that. But uh, the other two thirds, of course, did not. (laughs) And what I see in that is a missed opportunity uh, because, again, what (coughs) might be the sort of temptation is to think, well, this might be some sort of liturgical Catholic practice. Well, A, we're not confessing our sins to a priest, right? Right. That's not what we're doing there. What are we doing? We are collectively, and maybe kind of individually in our spaces in the Mm -hmm. worship uh, space, uh, offering a confession of sin, which we know we have, uh, even if we can't name uh, and, and categorize those, we know we have sinned against the Lord. And then what does that provide the minister, uh, the pastor, the opportunity to do to bring uh, a a remembrance of the absolution that we have? Again, we're not confessing the priest or the pastor, whoever. We're confessing to the Lord. And then the the minister says, hey, by the way, here's the gospel. You have been forgiven Mm -hmm. of your sins in Christ. And, And what does that do? That offers an opportunity for, again, communal formation, uh, formation around the ordinances, Lord's Supper, baptism. You know, I'm not going to give you my full view on how often we should practice uh, Lord's Supper, although I probably will. I mean, a a weekly observance of the Lord's Supper does something to the people Mm -hmm. of God. It reminds them of the, the body and blood of Christ shed for them. And not only is it uh, an act of remembrance, it's an act of reminding of Christ's presence with us by the spirit. And as the scriptures say, we do this uh, and look forward, uh, and, and it's a confession of when he will return again, mm. when he will come back in his body fully uh, in glory. So, yeah, so corporate gathering is so important. So, I mean, if you're going to talk about spiritual practices, I'm going to invest heavenly, heavily, heavily on the fact that you are doing these in the corporate setting. So if you want to assess anything in your church, uh, you might need to do like a spiritual disciplines training, uh, and that's perfectly fine. But think about how the corporate formation mm. aspects, your corporate worship are training your people. Because I, I fear, and probably we've been a part of churches where this mm. has been the case, where people come into the church and the picture of formation that they have is, I just, I, apparently I need to muster up more emotion for God. Mm. Maybe I need to pump more worship tunes on my commute to work. Maybe I need to have some more charismatic sort of personality so that I kind of have some godliness around me or something. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, uh, I fear a lot of the 
kind of pictures or cues, as I call them, of formation that people receive in uh, the church are actually not what Scripture commends. What does the Scripture command? Again, don't neglect the public reading of Scripture. And a lot of our churches, that's the first thing to go. <laughs> uh, don't, uh, as often as you gather together you know, to, to take this meal uh, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, all that being said, Dan, just to reaffirm what you said, we've got to be more serious about the communal formation practices in our local bodies and uh, recognize that those are the things that then contribute to the spiritual life of our people week in and week out. Mm, that's really good. A couple more, couple more thoughts here. You know, I think about this a lot, even when I think about things like cultural engagement and, you know, our life in the world, stewarding our citizenship, talking about issues that matter. You know, one of the things I try to tell young people is that, you know, your, your public activism or your mm-hmm. public, your public the things you're doing in the world toward the common good are only ever as good as your private mm-hmm. piety, right? Mm. A lot of times people don't see how that goes together, yeah. you know, but I, I think of the verse in James where it talks about true religion is, is, is first being unspotted from the world, caring for widows and orphans. And you see James kind of say, hold both of those things together. Mm-hmm. Your private, the work going on inside you matters to the work that you're doing in the world. So so talk about that relationship, that connection. Yeah. Well, I, I think about this often in sort of, yeah, you'd be much more uh, uh, expert on this, but just that idea of what, what we saw in the late 20th century of the religious right and how the church kind of finally got this sort of foothold into politics in a way that perhaps they didn't have before. I mean, they always did, but just kind of much more of a marriage of these things, specifically to one political party. And, and that's fine. That's not what we're here to talk about. But what, what I did see in a lot of that and what kind of still trickles down today is sort of the the means justify the end. So as long as we've got the right person in power or we're doing the right sort of thing politically in as far as our social policy, and I, I want to advocate for all the good and right things socially, politically. But typically what happens is we don't really care ultimately about the character of that person. And we and we know everyone's going to have flaws. We know no one in, um, in these spaces is going to is going to be perfect. But what we should care about is character. What we should care about is, uh, are they the kind of person behind closed doors that they are seeking to be or at least proposing to be in front of everybody and, and either way we, we, we would at least have a, a measure of trust around that uh, and but it's easy to point fingers it's easy to say well that's look at this hypocrite what we need to do as you're mentioning dan is think about are we attending to the things of our soul because if we're attending to the things of our soul they are going to inform the things of our of our hands and our actions and it actually might lead to things that don't look like we we care for the world, or at least don't care for certain things. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Well, uh, we can't do everything all the time. So you, though you're attending to the soul, your soul, as you are working through you know, your heart, working through things in your personal life, you might just feel a real burden to minister to, as you mentioned, a widow, like someone in your neighborhood that this is this is their situation. And we have someone in our, our neighborhood who lost her husband to COVID uh, a couple of years ago and single mom of, of two now. Uh, so how do you minister to that person? Well, someone may not feel that specific burden, at least not in the full sense that I do or my, or my family does. That doesn't mean they're no less spirit-filled. That means, you know, they just, they feel like, oh, I, I want to invest my time and resources in this way. And therefore, we can't do 
all things. We can't, I mean, that's where our social media culture kind of heaps upon us, mm-hmm. especially our young people, is that unless you've got every hashtag, unless you've got every emoji, unless you've got every uh, cause mentioned in your bio, then you must not be a just and right person. Well, that that is a weight that no one can bear. Right. Because each of those things those trends change every six months or less. Right. Uh, and so I think that a lot of the people in our churches have inherited that in our modern culture uh, to think, again, we've got to be for all of these things. Well, I want to be for life, right? Generally, mm-hmm. I, I want to be, I want to have a culture of life, which means I'm going to support pro-life initiatives, which means I'm going to advocate for things that are going to protect people's lives, make life more possible and more uh, fruitful for people. And therefore, um, I, I, I just generally want to have that. It's going to play out in different ways. So but going back to your original question, though, to think about even going back to that kind of virtue in the scriptures, uh, God is asking us to cultivate our heart. And we know that we're going to fail. We are going to fall down. And we need to reclaim every day the grace and mercy of Christ for these things and then move forward in the ways that we feel called to lead out in the world. So a church, again, could decide this is the way we want to proceed. Let's pray and fast towards that end. And therefore, I think that would be a much more effective, even a much more uh, rewarding, if I can use that word, experience for the people of God, knowing that uh, the Lord is really behind this, not the culture or maybe a pastor or ministry guilting me into this, Mm -hmm. uh, making me think that I'm not a true Christian if I don't do it. So that's a way I would answer that question there, Dan. That's really good. You know, in some ways you have to have both, right? Mm -hmm. There's a way that you can be super pious, but, but never turn toward, you know, the world around you and, 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 and live that out. Right. Mm -hmm. To where, you don't have the courage to sort of speak out or, or to do things that will help change the world around you, you know, given the influence and calling that you have that's unique to you. Yeah. But then there's also a way to be so active in the world and active on in issues and things that you neglect to say to your soul. Mm-hmm. And that can just be sort of a fig leaf for a lot of personal dysfunction. So you right. sort of need both. Yeah. Um, last right. question, you and I both teach at Texas Baptist College mm-hmm. and just want to make a strong pitch for why a student lis- listening or a parent listening should, mm-hmm. of all the options that they have, why should they send the, their kid to, to TBC here in Fort Worth? And uh, w- the importance of a, of a robust uh, undergraduate education. Yeah, well, you mentioned Fort Worth. First, it's going to have some good food around you. Yes, so you absolutely. have barbecue and good tacos. Uh, but no, in, in all seriousness, what we're doing here at TBC and, and, and Dan and I are involved in is a process of transformation, helping facilitate transformation in the lives of students. And you know, we, we have the kind of uh, sort of tagline, find your calling, which I think is very appropriate. You know, when I was 18, I, I generally kind of knew I was called to ministry or kind of like these things things. But what I needed, uh, and I got sometimes less than other times, but what I needed is people around me, mentors Mm -hmm. to shape that calling for me. And so I take a class here. Oh man, I really like history. Uh, I take a class here. Oh, I kind of like this thing over here. And so uh, what what Dan and I are doing here at, at 
what we love to do at, at Texas Baptist and Southwestern uh, is to help students seek after the Lord and their calling and then channel that, put that, uh, put light a fire under that. And you know what's cool is we get to read a lot of good books along the way. Absolutely. <laughs> we get to hang out and have coffee. And yeah, we're going to throw a few assignments your way. We're going to have a paper or two that yeah. you have to write. But it's, it's about transformation. I mean, we have no doubt you're going to go into the marketplace and get the job that God has for you, whether that's in ministry or, as I mentioned, a marketplace type job. But what we care about, as we've talked about already, is the character of that student when they graduate and they step into that role. Uh, I want my students to know, especially for those who are in the church, but really everyone, that they are called to be humble that they are called to pursue Christ, that they are called to be a, a man or a woman who has, as we've talked about, the virtues of Christ exhibited in their life and in their work. And uh, though there's lots of other places you can go and, and get some of those things, there is like a uh, I don't know what you want to call it, just like a, just kind of an incubator <laughs> of that here to where uh, you get poured into in a way that uh, I think is unique and surrounded by people and, and wisdom that really helps shape that for the rest of your life. Uh, I get excited about it as I talk about it, but it helps me think about why I love what I do. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, one of the things, you know, we talked to, to kids about, and I, I talked to my own kids about, and uh, other kids that are of that age, is that you know your your calling is often more than your where you get a paycheck, and mm-hmm. obviously it's gonna be that's gonna be part of it, right? Mm-hmm. But your calling is your whole life, and mm-hmm. so to come to be able to have a, your worldview really shaped, because mm-hmm. you don't know where God's gonna take you, you don't know what kind of environments you're gonna be in, what kind of decisions you're gonna have to make, what kind of pressures you're going to face and to be have a have a really robust immersion in you know the the best literature from the biblical studies you know cultural engagement all that kind of stuff to prepare you for whatever god has for you in the Mm -hmm. world whether it's ministry whether it's marketplace so um really encourage folks to check out texas baptist college Mm -hmm. uh we'll have links in the show notes but texasbaptistcollege.com and uh, check all that out but Coleman, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Great Dan. conversation. I want to encourage folks to get uh, Coleman's book, Formed in His Image, uh, out from B&H Publishers. will be out in May. You can pre-order it. Please do that. It'll be really beneficial for you and your spiritual walk. Thanks, Coleman. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at Dan Darling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Daniel M. Darling. Thank you for listening to The Way Home Podcast. Podcast.